It's the Victorian Variety Show. Welcome to the Victorian Variety Show podcast, where I talk about a wide variety of topics that normally are not discussed when you study the Victorian era in school or maybe hear about it covered in the mass media. My name is Marissa, and I'm doing something a little different in this week's episode. If you're a regular listener of this show, you're probably wondering, where is the quote that I normally use to open the show with? Because normally I take a quote either from a book or poem that was written during the Victorian era, or maybe from a newspaper or magazine article from that era, or a work written about the Victorian era. And the reason for that is that usually I use that quote as a lead-in to do a historical discussion that is fairly comprehensive based on the research that I've compiled on that particular topic, which I'm not going to be doing this week. And the reason for that is that I started researching a topic that I've really wanted to cover for some time, but unfortunately, I didn't have as much time to write a script as I normally do. And instead of just recording an episode of me talking off the cuff, basically, about a topic that I have done a lot of research for, and feeling that I wouldn't be able to do it justice, I would rather save that topic until my next episode in two weeks and do something a little more, uh, I I don't really want to say impromptu because I have been planning this the last few days, but again, I haven't really had time to write a script or anything of that nature. So something that required something I was able to basically put together in the, and I, and I don't want to sound like I'm just rushing this episode out or anything. I hope you don't think that I still wanted to give you something that I feel that you could benefit from and hopefully enjoy. Um, so what I'm doing this week, uh, I looked at some poets who were popular from the Victorian era and it wasn't too long before I began focusing on Edgar Allan Poe, who is a writer that I have mentioned in previous episodes of this show, so you know I'm a fan of his. Um, But again, because I normally like to focus on lesser-known aspects of the Victorian era, I thought that I would do the same in choosing works to read in this episode. Now, if you've taken literature classes in school in which you've studied Poe. Probably not a seminar. I don't know if there are a lot of Poe seminars out there. I didn't have the opportunity to take one when I was in school. So when I did study Poe, it was in either a general literature class or in an American literature class. But I found that in those classes, we tended to look at Poe's more popular works. So of course, The Raven was a big one, and I'm not complaining. To this day, The Raven remains one of my favorite poems of all time. In fact, when I was, I think I was 16 and in high school, 
I chose the Raven for a forensics tournament that I participated in. I spent a lot of time practicing. I dressed totally in black when I went to the uh, when I went to the tournament. I tried to be as goth as possible, and it was an experience that remains with me to this day. I mean, it was just something that I did that I'm really proud of. I don't think I won, but I was really happy with what I did and just with that work. Um, but yeah, The Raven is obviously one you're going to read if you study Poe in school. Same thing with Annabelle Lee. I read that in several classes. Um, but in the classes that I took, maybe it was the same for you, maybe not. But from what I can recall, poetry-wise, we mainly looked at The Raven and Annabelle Lee and also Poe's short stories. In fact, I think we probably spent more time on Poe's stories in some of my classes than on his poems, aside from The Raven, which is a classic, no matter who you ask. So I wanted to focus on some of Poe's poems that maybe you might not be as familiar with, unless perhaps you own a Poe anthology, such as one of the Poe anthologies with illustrations by Harry Clark that I one day hope to have in my personal library. I don't have one yet, but I'm already thinking maybe for Christmas this year, I'm going to treat myself to a Poe anthology with Harry Clark illustrations. I don't know yet. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's it's a gift that I hope to give to myself someday. <laughs> I mean, we all have these things we want to buy for ourselves, right? So what I did was I looked at some of Poe's poems that I wasn't too familiar with, and I chose two that I thought they were interesting when I was reading the explanations on them, and hopefully you will enjoy them as well. I am going to give you a brief historical background on each one. I don't want to go into too many, too much in the way of interpreting the poems for you, first of all, because that's not really one of my strong points, I don't think. But also, I really would like you, the listener, to be able to take your own meanings from these poems. And if there's anything you're not clear on, I would encourage you to go and do some do some research on these poems yourself because I really think that you'll enjoy doing that, first of all. I like encouraging people to do their own research as much as possible. But I think that you might be surprised to find out some of what Poe was talking about in these poems because the, the symbolism, the language that he uses... Uh, I mean, it's it's Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, it, it speaks for itself pretty much. But I think going past that and finding out the meaning and maybe more of what inspired him to write these, you'll find that incredibly fascinating. So the first poem that I chose was one called The City in the Sea. And I'm going to have links to both of these poems as well as the reference pages for both that are from Wikipedia in the show notes for this episode. But The City and the Sea 
was originally published in 1831 under the name The Doomed City, and then it was later published in 1836 as The City of Sin before it was published as The City in the Sea. So Wikipedia says that the mood and tone of The City in the Sea are inspired by another one that you may have read in a literature class. I know I've read it in at least one literature class, Samuel Taylor Coleridge's Kubla Khan. And the Wikipedia page also mentions that a number of its lines parallel an English translation of, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, De Rerum Natura by Lucretius. And another thing that I found interesting is that Poe was actually accused of plagiarism when he published this poem because of the line that mentions, quote, a thousand thrones. And the poem that that line was taken from, according to Wikipedia, was named Musing Thoughts, which I didn't see an author named, so I don't know who the writer of Musing Thoughts was, but... I think it's important to remember, especially when we discuss the next poem that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, that Poe was accused of plagiarism after he published this poem. So anyway, The City and the Sea appeared in several publications, including The Southern Literary Messenger, The American Review, The Broadway Journal, and The Poet tree of America in 1850. So that's just a little background on this poem. Again, I really hope you'll be encouraged to, after listening to this episode, or maybe while you're listening to it, uh, looking it up and finding a little more about it on your own. But in the meantime, here is my reading of The City and the Sea. Enjoy. Death has reared himself a throne in a strange city lying alone. Far down within the dim west where the good and the bad and the worst and the best have gone to their eternal rest. There shrines and palaces and towers, time-eaten towers and tremble not, resemble nothing that is ours. Around, by lifting winds forgot, resignedly beneath the sky, the melancholy waters lie. No rays from the holy heaven come down on the long nighttime of that town, but light from out the lurid sea streams up the turrets silently, gleams up the pinnacles far and free. Up domes, up spires, up kingly halls, up fanes, up Babylon-like walls, up shadowy long-forgotten bowers, of sculptured ivy and stone flowers, up many and many a marvelous shrine whose wreathed friezes intertwine, the viol, the violet, and the vine, resignedly Beneath the sky, the melancholy waters lie. 
So blend the turrets and shadows there that all seem pendulous in air. While from a proud tower in the town, death looks gigantically down. There open fanes and gaping graves, yawn level with the luminous waves, but not the riches there that lie in each idol's diamond eye. Not the gaily jeweled dead tempt the waters from their bed, for no ripples curl, alas, along that wilderness of glass. No swellings tell that winds may be upon some far-off happier sea. No heavings hint that winds have been on seas less hideously serene. But lo, a stir is in the air. The wave, there is a movement there. As if the towers had thrust aside in slightly sinking the dull tide as if their tops had feebly given a void within the filmy heaven. The waves have now a redder glow. The hours are breathing faint and low. And when, amid no earthly moans, down, down that town shall settle hence. Hell, rising from a thousand thrones, shall do it reverence. So that was the first of the two poems that I'm going to read today by Edgar Allan Poe, The City in the Sea. The second one is called The Haunted Palace. And per Wikipedia, this poem was originally released in April 1839 in an issue of a publication called the American Museum Magazine. However, it was later incorporated into another work by Poe that you might have discussed or at least read in a literature class at some point in school, I know I did, called The Fall of the House of Usher as a song. And again, this is... This was mentioned in my discussion for The City in the Sea, and it comes up again here, and I find it very interesting. Wikipedia notes that a rival of Poe's named Rufus Wilmot Griswold accused Poe of plagiarizing a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow called Beleaguered City. But you might also be interested to know that Poe suggested that Longfellow had plagiarized from him. Now, I have studied copyright law um, in several classes and intellectual property as well. I'm familiar mostly with contemporary copyright law and a little bit of the history leading up to the contemporary copyright law. I don't know much about intellectual property laws in the 19th century, whether it's over in Britain or over here. This is something that I would like to talk about or at least study at some point. I, I don't know if it's 
something listeners would actually enjoy. Uh, When I had my writing podcast, I did do an episode on copyright law because I thought it was something that it would behoove my listeners to know more about. And I don't think that a lot of listeners were particularly interested in that topic. And again, I do think it's an important topic to cover. I find it fascinating, but I don't know if it's something that listeners would would find engrossing enough to listen to, unless maybe it, it would be listeners for an intellectual property law type podcast, which I don't do because I'm not that knowledgeable about intellectual property law. But anyway, going off on a tangent there, I found it really interesting that Poe was accused of plagiarism on more than one occasion. Um, I don't know if it was common back in the 19th century for writers to accuse each other of plagiarism, but I kind of had this funny image in my head of Poe and Longfellow kind of duking it out and saying, you stole from me. No, you stole from me. And I'm thinking, guys, guys, you know, I mean, that would make a funny comedy sketch probably. I think it would, but I do find that really interesting. So that's something that when I have some more time, I would like to look into that a little further. But in the meantime, here is my reading of The Haunted Palace. In the greenest of our valleys, by good angels tenanted, once a fair and stately palace, radiant palace, reared its head. In the monarch thought's dominion, it stood there. Never seraph spread opinion over fabric half so fair. Banners yellow, glorious, golden, on its roof did float and flow. This, all this, was in the olden time, long ago. And every gentle air that dallied in that sweet day, along the ramparts plumed and pallid, a winged odor went away. Wanderers in that happy valley, through two luminous windows saw spirits moving musically to a lute's well-tuned law round about a throne where sitting porphyrogene in state his glory well befitting the ruler of the realm was seen and all with pearl and ruby glowing was the fair palace door through which came flowing 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 and sparkling evermore a troop of echoes whose sweet duty was but to sing in voices of surpassing beauty the wit and wisdom of their king but evil things in robes of sorrow assailed the monarch's high estate ah let us mourn for never morrow shall dawn upon him desolate. And round about his home the glory that blushed and bloomed is but a dim remembered story of the old time entombed. And travelers now within that valley through the red litten windows see 
vast forms that move fantastically to a discordant melody, while, like a ghastly rapid river, through the pale door, a hideous throng rush out forever and laugh, but smile no more. So that was The Haunted Palace by Edgar Allan Poe. I really hope you enjoyed my reading of that and The City in the Sea. And I would love to hear what you thought of one or both poems. Maybe, uh, how did you feel when you were listening to me read them? Maybe you were following along online as you were listening. Um, or maybe you looked them up online, as I suggested, and you found out something that absolutely intrigued you that I didn't mention in this episode. Or maybe you did come across one or both of these poems at some point before listening to this episode. Whatever you have to say about either of these poems, I would love to hear it. Email me at the Victorian Variety Show at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message on Anchor at anchor.fm slash marissa hyphen d96 slash message. You can also follow me on Twitter at at victorianvariety1. And if you would like to support the show financially, you can buy me a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash marissadf13. Or you can leave a tip if you're listening to this on the Good Pods app. And finally... If you can take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening, I would greatly appreciate it because those ratings and reviews really help the show reach a lot more listeners. So anyway, thank you so much for listening and for all of the support that so many of you give me regularly. I truly appreciate it, and I do want to apologize for having not as put together a show as I normally do. I will be back in two weeks with an episode that is going to be a lot better written, you might say, and it's going to be more focused on the history of that topic that I really have been wanting to discuss, but... You know, I've been doing this podcast for almost a year now, and I think it's I think it's good to experiment a little. You know, you, you kind of want to keep things a little interesting after you've been doing a podcast for a while. So it's something that even though I really do enjoy focusing on history and I do plan to continue focusing mainly on history, I do want to see what other ways that I can maybe build upon what I've already done in the first year of this podcast. So please let me know what you think. And uh, until next time, have a great two weeks and we will meet again. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.